You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and this is my conversation with a fellow called Chris Lalick. He's the drummer in an outstanding metalcore band from Wagga via Melbourne called Wind Waker. The reason for the conversation was to talk about the brand new cut the band have released called New Infinite. Let's see what Chris has to say. Here we go. So Chris, uh, thank you so much for joining me and welcome to the show. I really do enjoy Wind Waker's epic take on Metalcore and New Infinite, mate. That's a killer cut. So what can you tell me about the cut and indeed the direction the band's heading in? Um, Well, we're sort of trying to push all of the boundaries at once. Um, I don't know if that's what you would expect me to say, but it's like, so some people think we're going more poppy. Some people think we're going more heavy. Everyone we've showed the song has sort of said something different about it. But really, we're just trying to push every direction at the same time to see if we can make it all coherently work, I guess. Okay. That's, that's really what we're going for. It makes sense. It makes complete sense. So can you talk about some of the bands that inspired you guys? I think we all come from really different places. Like, I mean, I come from a lot of, like, I don't know, early 2000s, like, Australian rock was very much my thing, like, uh, like, Silverchair and Grinspoon and stuff like that. Yep. But, I don't know, later in the years, I sort of got into Kill Switch and lots of the sort of metalcore kind of bands, and eventually ended up on, like, the proggier sort of stuff, like I got into Meshuggah and Periphery and all that sort of stuff. So I've got a bit of a, a mixed bag of influences. Um, Will's very, like, Incubus. Like, his vocals are really Incubus-inspired. Okay. Like, singers like Mike Patton and that. Um, yeah, everyone's a bit different. Um, and then our guitarist, Jesse, the Treadlord, he's, like, very death metal background, I guess. Yeah, I can and, definitely like, hear that. Metal, <laughs> and dream theater, but at the same time, still, like... Uh, even the like the faceless and bands like that. So yeah, we're sort of all over the place, really. Well, um, that's a good thing. But at all, I think it work. <laughs> it's great. It's very diverse, very dynamic sound that you've got on offer there. I mean, it's I sort of feel as though oh. metalcore as a genre is reaching critical mass if it's not already past that. But with the sort of sounds you guys are introducing, yeah. it's very similar to a very different sound again. But it's very similar to what Frankie and that epic guitarist Josh Travis did on the latest Amure album. Oh, yeah, true. You know? Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting comparison. Yeah, lots of just... Well, the point oh, there like is, that. yeah, lots of different things happening in a way that you didn't expect. And, and I think that was my one of my albums of uh, last year, actually, one of my top albums of last year. And, yeah, true. Uh, just an epic thing. But I think, think Josh Travis is just an outstanding guitarist, the best emerging guitarist in the biz, in my view. And anything he touches these oh, days just... Everything he does is like... <laughs> Everything he touches turns to gold, hey. Yeah, he's just, but he, it's it's like, God, where has this guy been hiding for the past five or so years? Because to be honest, before I heard that Amure album and I had to do a review, I didn't know he was in all those other bands like Tony Danza, Tap, tap Dance Extravaganza, yeah, yeah. Tongue Twister. Um, I Danza for a while, but um, yeah, other than that, um, what was the other one he was in? Glass Cloud or something? Glass Cloud. I was about to say Glass Jaw, but Glass Cloud, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, but all of the stuff he's done has been cool. It's been, like, I don't know, in its own way, different from one another, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, very talented dude. So your your EP, yeah. Fade, that's been available or in market now for about 12 months. So did it do for you as a band what you hoped that it would, i.e., has it given you an audience that you hoped it would achieve? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know. Yeah, we we really weren't a very well-known band before that. Um, but it hasn't. It never had like an exploding effect. We never like just were all of a sudden like had grown a lot. We really have just grown slowly off it, and I mean, that's all we could ask for, really. But it's sort of one of those things. We look back three months every time. Like every time we look back three months. We go, oh geez, we've actually come a long way since then. Like we get better shows and whatnot. So mm. yeah, it has. Just, we've we've hardly noticed it happening, but every time we look back, we really go, oh geez, yeah, it really has done well for us. So yeah, we're pretty happy with that. Yeah, fantastic. And and you know the band do do a lot of things in house, so to speak. So I understand that for your new material, and it might have been the same for Fade, but I certainly understand this is for the new material that you tracked the material in your band space, with the exception of recording drums with Declan White in his studio. Yeah. But otherwise, the song was. Uh, I'm talking about New Infinite. That's a song that was written and produced yep. by the band and then mixed and mastered by you. So you're a very talented guy as well. You do a lot within the band. So, <laughs> so but can you tell me a little bit about, you know, your involvement in the band beyond playing drums? Because it's obviously a lot. Yeah, well, when we first started the band, I was probably, I wrote the majority of the material. I don't, I don't just play drums. I play guitar and I play a few different instruments. Um, and I was the main writer then. And maybe that's still true now, but um, since we've had, we've gone through a dozen guitarists, but our current lineup now is really, really inspiring to work with. And um, it's not just about me anymore. It's everyone else has a lot of input and it's coming out a lot more creative as a result, I think. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And then as far as the production thing goes, we, we've had our stuff produced by, like other people, even like some of the bigger producers in Australia have, have worked with us, but we're never really happy with it just because I think we have a very particular idea of what we want. And the only way we seem to be able to get that is to just do it ourselves. So that's what we've done this time. Okay. And you fellas formed in Wagga. Um, is that right? Yep, that's right. Okay. So I asked this question of a lot of bands that come from regional areas. Has Wagga as a town, has that identifiably influenced your music in any way at all, you know, from lyrics through to the way in which you approach some of the breakdowns, that sort of thing? Um, well, interestingly enough, I think it definitely gave us a different perspective on where to start as a band, like coming into the music scene, because we all moved to Melbourne, like we formed knowing that we wanted to move at some point, and... We didn't really know much about what was going on in the local scene. Um, so when we came here, our music just didn't seem to click at all with what everyone else was doing, and we had a really hard time finding good shows. So now that we're here, we've obviously listened to a lot of local music, and like we get influenced a bit by local music. Hmm. But I definitely think coming from that place has given us a little bit of an advantage in terms of the way we don't approach music the same as everyone else, just because we haven't had the, we haven't been raised in the scene. Yes. We've just yep. sort of done our own thing. And now, now I think we've sort of found a bit of a middle ground where we still, we still fit into the scene a bit more and we get shows with bands that sound a bit more like us. 
Uh, but we're still doing our own thing. We're doing it how we want to do it. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting th- conundrum, isn't it, when you're from a regional area and you move into a, a, a large metropolitan area like Melbourne. You sort of do that elastic thing yeah. where you sort of stretch yourself, but then you sort of come back, don't you? Because you realise what you were doing yeah, was... Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, nothing wrong with what you were doing. You just had to refine it a little bit so as though you could get to where you needed to go yeah, to. Definitely. It yeah. definitely changes the way we approach things a bit. Um, but we're still doing what we want, which so, is what matters, I guess. So you you sound like you sound like you got your shit together, if you don't mind me saying. Okay, I mean that in a nice way, of course. <laughs> you know. So I mean, you, you've answered the questions really well. So you 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 must be driven, as the rest of the band must be driven. So what do you want to do over the next five years? Is a lot of and now I'm going to preface my answer here by saying a lot of not a, not a lot, but I've spoken to a few Australian bands where they've sort of oh we don't care about success overseas and all this stuff, and I think well. Jesus, why not? I mean, that's the great frontier, isn't it? Success in America and North uh, North America and in, in Europe. So, are those things on the radar potentially? Um, there's nothing planned, but it's definitely something we we would like to do. Uh, at the moment, we're really trying to focus on building our market here a bit more, trying to win over more people here. There's still a lot of the country to tackle. Like we haven't been to a lot of the places we'd like to play. Like we haven't been to Perth. Still haven't been to Brisbane, which is a bit disappointing, mm. but we'll get there this year. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think I think it's definitely on the radar, and you said five years. That's an awfully long time. Um, much as I'd like to say I have a plan for the next five years, I haven't quite pulled that far ahead, but I'd... Uh, yeah, it's definitely something we'd like to do. So how I guess do you... it comes down to what opportunities we get. So that's a good point. Okay, so the opportunities you get, could you take the opportunities? Just say, okay, we've mentioned Demure. Just say Frankie called up your management or Frankie's management called up your management and said, hey, like the band sound, are you available for an eight-week trek across the States? You know, with day jobs and family commitments and all that stuff, are you in a position where you could take advantage of something like that? I think for an opportunity, we would make it work. Like... If it's a good opportunity like that, we would find a way to do it. Like, we have to. Like, we've come this far. It would be disappointing to not do it properly. But yeah, yeah. it would definitely, it would definitely put us in a bit of a conundrum. But we'd, we'd have to do it. Now, this is an interesting question for you. Do you think the band is in a position in regards to the way you all stand with each other? In other words, you all get along well enough to be able to handle an eight-week trek across the States in a very unfamiliar part of the world? <laughs> yeah, that's a funny one. Uh, probably not. <laughs> um, we'd, we'd, we'd manage. Um, we've, we used to live together. I mean, the lineup's different, but when we first moved to Melbourne, we moved into a band house, and all five of us in the same house all the time. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't the best idea. I'm not going to say that it was great, but it had its upsides. And I think, considering we got through that, uh, I think an eight-week run through the states would be okay. We'd all be over there doing what we love, and we'd be in a good mood. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of lot of things that wouldn't be so nice about it. Yeah, Being in a smelly van, a bunch of dudes that haven't showered and all that. But Oh, it sucks. But, yeah, I've we never done it. We all get along really well on tour. <laughs> we, we seem to do really... We don't get along while we're at home, but we get along when we're on tour. What's the... the it's just fun and we enjoy the vibes. 
I'm going to, I'm going to, I can't remember his name, but I've interviewed him. The fella at the center of the band, Harlot, he's a good bloke. Um, you know, the singer and the guitarist, a bit like you actually, and he knows what's going on. He had a really good chat to me uh, a year or so ago about a tour that they did across Europe with Annihilator. And okay. I, I can't remember the detail of it, but he talked about how hard it was. Um, and yeah, it really sort of opened up my eyes to, because you hear about it from American bands all the time, but they're in a familiar part of the world. They're from America and they're touring America, but he's an Australian band, yeah, third or fourth band or whatever they were on the bill. They might have been higher, but that's what my recollections of the discussion were. And it was a slog, man. It was bloody hard work. And it really, you know, I don't want to misquote him here, but I think it really made him think about what his goals were with the band. And obviously, they, yeah. they kept forging forward, but still, it's a hard one. I've definitely heard a lot of stories about bands going over there for the first time. And it's basically like starting from scratch. It's like you you build up your fan base in Australia. You, you go, you have good shows everywhere you go. Everyone knows the words to song. You go over there, it's like being that local band again that's just started and no one knows who you are and you're on a low position on the lineup and the yeah the crowd doesn't really get into you yeah yeah it's i think all bands know about oh it's it's horrendous when that happens at some point isn't it i mean you're trying your hardest out up there on stage you're putting everything in and you're getting barely sort of a rise. So, I mean, I've played in bands where that happens, where they're like, it feels like as though they're forming an invisible dome around you to, instead of getting into you. They're sort of standing on the, <laughs> the walls. You know, the thing where they stand on the wall, next yeah. to the walls. And you think, Jesus, what have I got to do here to get people into the performance? But the truth is you can't really do anything. It's just a decision that's been made by by punters to sort of wait until the main act goes on and then they'll save their energy for them. And that's how I've yeah. always looked at it. I think there's definitely something fun about taking it as an opportunity to win the crowd over though um like if you have a good show a good stage presence and if you can really like sometimes it's a really big challenge but if you can get them on side they might remember that experience forever and they'll go check out your band they might buy your music and whatnot yeah, a band that I, I admire from that perspective was Korn, actually. I'm not a fan of the band's music, I must say. True. But but I remember when they started out and the stories of them touring with Megadeth. This is back when Megadeth <laughs> were like on Euthanasia, I think. So 1993 or 1994. Yeah, okay. Um, and Korn's music hasn't changed that much since they first started out. I mean, it still sounds like Korn. But I'm a, I was a Megadeth yeah. fan, a big Megadeth fan back in the day. I'm probably showing my age a little bit there. But um, God, if Corn and Corn and Band like Corn had gone on before Megadeth, and I was watching them, I would. I'm never disrespectful, but I wouldn't have. I probably would have gone out the front and grabbed a beer. You know, yeah. but they they stuck that out for yeah. for months on end. Yeah, well, you've got to do it. Mm. Um, all comes down to hard work and dedication and whatnot. If you can, if you can get them on side, it's a it's a really great thing. Indeed, go into a room people that weren't willing to give you a chance and not give them a choice but to to like you you've done something really impressive i think well and you guys certainly are well as i say mate you guys certainly are based on the new cut here so is there new infinite sorry is is there an album that will be out soon or an ep that will be out soon not super soon but we're pretty determined to get our next ep out by the end of the year um we're, uh, we're about to go and do a weekend through Sydney this weekend, and then when we come back, we're going to start pre-proing 
all our new material that we've written. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, we're we're shooting for an eight track EP this year. So it's nice. a big one. Uh, not a, it won't be super lengthy like time wise. Like it won't it won't it won't equate to an album's worth of material. But yeah, that's that's our plan for this year to try and just get a lot more music out. Okay. Um, don't know about an album for a while. Oh look, I, a lot of people disagree with me on this point, but I think you know, albums are a thing of the past. Okay, it's just I, I think <laughs> EPs are the way forward. It's just people's. It's I I listen to albums personally. I'm talking about it from a commercial perspective and actually getting your music out there. Okay, um, yeah, it's, uh, Spotify and all of that stuff, mate. It leans toward limited releases. I think I don't know. I definitely think there's still a place for albums. I still enjoy listening to a full album, but. I definitely see what you mean because really the smaller chunk of like content you can give people, the more likely they are to give it a chance until you're, until you're at a point where you have a fan base that's big enough that they're really keen to listen to a full album. Most of the time you won't get that many people that can be bothered listening to 12 songs of your band in a row. So yeah, all about pumping out the singles and EPs are really good, hmm. especially if you can turn, I don't know, two or three of the songs into a single. Well, I think the opportunity is there and for you to, to release like two or three. Instead of releasing an album, you can release two or three EPs with your best ideas over two years rather than just one album in two years. Yeah, absolutely. And it keeps you fresh, I guess. It keeps you... Yeah, totally. You're still constantly doing things. You don't have any dead periods or whatever. It's fresh, and the other the other thing I like about it is it keeps your merch flowing too, so as you can put the different shirt designs out there that have the album covers on them. You know, that yeah, sort of true. thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a very good point, actually. You know, so mate, final question: If people want to get in touch with you and listen to your band's music, how do they do that? Um, well, there's Spotify, there's YouTube, there's Facebook, all of the regular platforms. Apple Music, if you swing that way. Um, yeah, and as for getting in touch with us, we reply to all of the messages we get on Facebook. Always happy to hear what Good people think. Yeah. Okay. Good or bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's an interesting one, isn't it? But surely to goodness you don't get trolled, do you? <laughs> no, no I, don't, I don't think we're popular enough to get trolled yet. <laughs> Crazy, isn't it? This world that we live in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's. I think people yeah. should just. Oh, have, thing. I mean, you, you're a young bunch of young fellas starting out in an excellent band with some really good music, mate. I think people should just be thankful that you're out <laughs> that there doing it. Lot, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. We've we've loved some tape, I guess. We think it is creative. There's <laughs> people that are going to want to bring you down, I guess. Yeah, indeed. Well, just. Keep that good head on your shoulders, brother. I'm sure you guys will do exactly what you want to do with things and just best of success with everything. I mean, that is an excellent cut. I've been listening to New Infinite a fair bit on my on Apple Music, oh, I should you. say. Not Apple Music, so it's on my iPhone. So it's on when I say Apple, it's on my bloody iPhone. Um, yeah, okay. But, um, yeah, I've been listening to it a fair bit the last couple of days since um, I got a hold of it uh, through, gosh, who was it? I'm shocking with names, mate. I'm sorry, as I couldn't even remember the guy from Harlot's <laughs> name. Who was the guy who sent me everything anyway? So a shout out to him from the label that you guys are a part of. Thanks for sending me it across. At least it gives me. Oh, uh, a... uh, it would have been um, Tim Price. 
Tim Price, Tim that's it. Course. Sorry, Tim, if yeah. you're listening. My bad. Doing our PR. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, mate. Thanks very much. I'll let you get back to it. No worries at all. All right. All the best. Now, my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and you have been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. That was my conversation with a fellow called Chris Lalick. He's the drummer in a band from Wagga via Melbourne called Wind Waker. Thank you so much for listening.